is powerful, especially in times where they're going to be alone and feel like no one's there for them. It's just life, such is life. We've all hit those seasons when there's times where we feel like no one is listening. No one is there. And that's when we have to remember that in the battle, there is a savior. He's there to save us from the battles we can't fight. And it just, it, it had me thinking of battleships. So I don't know if you all know, but on sale at Target, they got the retro battleship, the old school, like, I think it's from the 60s. I didn't know it existed back then. But Michelle told me we were down at the lake and she said, this is about a couple months ago. She said, you could go to Target. They got the old school retro battleship. It's like a, a yellow box instead of the one I always saw on TV in the 80s. It's the old school battleship. How many have played battleship? Oh, we got some bad, man, that's more hands than Toby Mac. That's more hands than pretty much anything else I've ever asked to raise a hand on. That's more hands than anything spiritual. No, I'm kidding. Listen, so Battleship is a game of patience. And Caleb, he's my thinker. He's my second oldest. He's my first boy. Me and Taz are more kind of similar in the game playing because we're like, how do you win? I don't understand. It's over. Okay, I'm going to go do something else. Chloe and Caleb are more patient, and Caleb is, he's a thinker. He's strategy. He'll sit there three hours, Nate, if you let him, over Battleship. Monopoly is the same way. Anything that takes thinking. And so, you know, after work or something, he'll be like, Dad, want to play Battleship? I'm like, okay, yes, I'd love to. Let's go play it. I'm going, how long will this last? I'm thinking about coffee time, how many K-cups I got left. I can go pop a couple at once. And, and so, so we start playing. I had to remember because it had been like 20 or 30 years. And so it's like, okay, you know, you got the board and you got, you got the red and you got the white pegs. And the red pegs mean you got a hit. And a white is a miss. Wow, you guys are edumacated on this. It's impressive. Anyway, so, so we're playing. We're like, A3. Miss. Caleb's. A Seven. Hit. Course. He's like, <laughs> he wants to win. He doesn't care if I'm his father. He wants to crush me. He says, son, you're acting too much like your dad. Stop that. A3, miss. A8, hit. <laughs> it keeps going. And by, you know, there's five boats. And by boat one, I'm taxed out. I'm like, okay, play your sister. I quit. But the thing with battleship is they are always trying to sink my ship. It's always Caleb's fault that my ships are sinking, you know? And sometimes you get tired of people trying to sink your ship. It's like you're always playing battleship with everybody. You ever felt that way? Am I just the weird one? I'm not the only one that's weird. Good. See, weird is good. It means different. And if you were like everybody else, you'd be boring. So God bless weird people, you know? Weird is a good thing. You can clap for that, Debbie. It's good. But that's why I don't like Battleship. It's because he's always, he's always trying to sink my ship. I don't like being in battle. But let me ask you in life, have you ever been in a battle? Maybe a few. A legal battle. A verbal battle. Maybe a physical battle. We've all had battles to face, but the most common variable with most battles is eventually 
Eventually, most of the time, they end. There was an expiration to how long I could withstand the battle before I either won or lost, right? You only got so much endurance to go through a battle, and eventually something's got to give. But perhaps there is an ongoing battle greater than these, a battle I was not meant to fight, and because I don't know how to defend, I just continue to blame Caleb or them to torment myself with the things that I shouldn't be trying to defend to begin with. Maybe it's not my battle to be fighting to begin with. Maybe I'm taking on too many battles at once. Have you guys heard the song? This is how I fight my battles. Anybody? So I didn't like that song at first, and now I can't stop singing it. And then all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden, a few days, me and Kayla are messing around because I can't remember words for anything. I said, this is how I read my picture Bible. This is how I read my picture Bible. We don't need no red letter edition because we only use pictures. Has nothing to do with anything right now. I'm just letting you know that we changed the words to the song. That's all. That's it. Really, no connection. There's no flip here coming. That's, that's it. But the song, this is how I fight my battles. And when you're fighting too many battles, even singing the song doesn't work sometimes. It's too much. It's getting heavy. The source of my battle may not be the thing, though, I'm battling against. I might be battling someone that has a face and a thing, but that may not be the source of my battle. The source, though, is where my solution often is. The source is how I learn to handle or avoid the battles I was not meant to fight. This is not how I fight my battle because it's not mine to fight. That's what it should be. If you frequently feel like you are battling everyone else, consider the opposition and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Let's go to the passage today, Matthew chapter 6, the Gospel of Matthew, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? This is just a temple of what's really going on inside, you know? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He's saying they're not even as important as you. And God feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? He's saying, why are you worrying, man? What good is that gonna do you? It's just gonna make you feel worse. Don't worry, be happy. He did everything. He did the sound. He did the. He was a one-man show, and a one-hit wonder. I think. Ah, oh, worst song of the '80s. But there was a good message in that. Don't worry, be happy. He says. So why do you do that? Can you add that to your stature? Verse twenty-eight. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, come on somebody, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. And will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? How many know if he takes care of the grass, he's gonna take care of you? Come on somebody. 
If you believe it, come on. Tell the caffeine to pick it up. I believe it. Woo! (laughs) For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows what you need, and he's not going to leave you hanging, so why do you worry? But seek, everybody say this together, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you do that, all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about it. Today's message title is Battle Problems. And it's funny because God has this weird thing. He like says stuff to you when you pray and ask him to give you direction. And this message was supposed to be next week. And last week we came off of the island of myopia, the sea beyond self. But now it's like we're going a little deeper with this thing. The, the depth of really what's happening from myopia is that there's battle problems going on. So I flipped next week, and it wasn't planned. It just, it just fit today. And so next week is what was supposed to be today. It's going to be next week. It's called 7, version plug. If y'all read it, it's not exactly the same. Hopefully it didn't spoil it. Next week's going to be called 7, about perfection. God's perfection in his plan for your life. But this week we're talking about battle problems. And most times... My battle is not with them, it's within. Most times, this is good, put it in your, in your mental tablet, in your brain. Most times my battle is not with them, it's within. It's just what they see. They become the face of my attack, but my source of my battle has nothing to do with them. Most times. Sometimes it does. Sometimes. Why does that happen? I would say the most single-handed seed that roots up to create this stir is doubt. What does doubt do? It creates tension. When you are doubtful, what happens? You create stress. You see these gray hairs? Stress. It's wisdom. It's not wisdom. Anybody, sorry, Nate. Anybody, <laughs> anybody knows about the beard? I'm going to shave the beard this week. It's coming. I asked God, I said, God, I'm waiting on this thing. And when it comes, I'm going to shave. And Michelle's like, oh, Lord, how long will that be? I said, don't worry, honey. It's going to be this week. It's coming this week. I'm going to shave the thing. Anyway, that's what's up with the beard. It's not just to look different. But doubt creates tension. And worry is a silent poison. And when you, become the de- when you, bec- when you start doubting, you start worrying. And so the devil wants nothing more for you to worry about things. And when you start worrying, it starts brewing these seeds of doubt in your core. And when you get worried, everything starts to crumble around you. And you don't think people know, but like we said before, if you look it, it usually means it is. And so what happens is how you feel on the inside will start coming out on the outside. I'm guilty of this. Anybody that knows me well knows it happens frequently. It's not just up here I act like this. Most of the time. It comes out in your demeanor. And you think nobody can see that your demeanor is different, but it shows. And so then everybody kind of starts looking different to you too because you're focused on the doubt and they say hi to you and you're like, why did you say hi to me? How dare you? 
What do you mean, how's your day going? Why are you asking me that? And so you, you know what I mean? You start becoming like contradictory and you start, you, start, you start making them the scapegoat for really what's brewing inside. And when you're tired, sick, stressed, all those things, when you're crabby, we call it um, crabby pants in our house. Everything has pants on the end when you have little kids. Crabby pants, uh, meanie pants. Anyway, when, you, when you're crabby and you're sick, for some reason, it makes you reflect back to your inhibitions, which is your instinct to do these things. And then you have to consciously remember, what am I doing? Why am I trying to add to my stature with worry? Jesus said it won't do any good, but what do we do? We worry. It's because when we fall back to what's familiar, we go back to carnal habits and the human nature is to sweat it a bit. That's why we need a God to remind us and we need a church to remind us and we need a word to remind us that it doesn't help us, it hurts us. People see it, we wanna help you, I need help too. We all need it together and they can see it and so we have to remember where our strength is because my battle is not with them, it's within and doubt creates Tension. I don't know about you guys, but I've been so distracted before from like an issue. You know, your mind can make it bigger than it is. Make major on minors. How many remember that sermon? One person, one person, two person, three people. Yes, three people. Majoring on minors, that was a sermon. See, what happens is your mind can make it much bigger than it is. And before you know it, I don't know about you, but I will not remember a thing People are saying to me in the heat of this moment, it's a, it's, a, it's a conscious effort. I have to say, wait a second, remember, it's no big deal. Because if you let it get to you, I go black. I don't know about you all, I don't remember anything. I go black in those moments. And I don't mean like you get all mad and yell, but when your heart is stirred, especially if you have anxiety, a lot of us have struggled with anxiety. When that anxiety kicks in, what happens? You go black. You don't really remember what people are saying. You're not listening to them. You're only thinking about what the devil wants you to think about, which is to keep stirring that, that negative emotion so that you can then react to it because of doubt. It's created now tension, and tension does what? It's like a rubber band, and as it gets tighter, we know what happens with rubber bands. Eventually, they're going to snap. They can only take so much before they snap, and my, my demeanor will start giving birth to these fruits of worry and anxiety. And all of a sudden, I find myself having an issue with everyone, everyone. I don't care how bad a person you are, not everyone is gonna, you know, if everyone's got a problem, maybe it's not them. If you have a problem with everyone, maybe it's not them. Maybe there's something you're battling because my battle's not with them, it's within. We'll mask it, we'll mask anger with sadness. We'll mask sadness with anger. People handle outwardly differently with what's happening inwardly. A lot of people get angry when really they're hurt. Anger is the first thing you see, so you think they're a jerk. But maybe they're actually hurt. And so there's a deeper problem. In your flesh, If I don't know about y'all, but you get that fight or flight feeling when someone comes at you with anger, what do you do? You instinctually wanna get angry back. But as a child of God, it's, this is the critical moments that you are able to freeze your mind and say, wait a second. There's something wrong here, and it's not me they're fighting. Once in a while, it may be the case, but most times, you're not the reason. You're not the source. 
But that's why they keep fighting with everyone because they're actually fighting things that aren't revealing what the real problem is, which is where the solution is. So it creates this tension. It's like a rubber band. And not only does it snap in their heart, but it starts snapping at people. Man, they are snappy. They're snapping at everybody because their rubber band's too tight. They need a bigger rubber band. They need to ease the tension or get a bigger rubber band. And what happens is when we get used to that tension, that feeling of anxiety, when it becomes normal to us, we start dwelling on it, assuming that's just the way it's supposed to be. And when it's not there, we feel like something's wrong. So what do we do when we go in the room? We scan the room for every negative thing that could ever happen. And we try to find it. And that's the thing we start. Well, eh, eh, that could, what if that, what if they, what if the world ends tomorrow? What if, what if they don't like my shoes? What if, what if they know what I did outside of church and I go to church and I say, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower, but they see what I do. And all these things we try to scan, we become experts at finding the negative negative in the room. Oh, what if you do this? Oh, have you thought about this? Oh, your church plan. No, that's really hard. It's really hard. Thanks for telling me the obvious, mister. How about some good things? It's really hard to do what you're doing. I know. That's why you're not doing it. That's why God calls people. He calls people because if it was easy, everyone would do it. But easy doesn't bring fulfillment. A calling does. And sometimes you got to, you got to work if you want to find what God has for you. And that's with any purpose in, in, in your walk with God. It's not just with churches, it's with anything. If it was easy, everybody would have it. Value comes from the things that take effort and seeking. You have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added onto you. It doesn't say he'll give you all these things and then you can start seeking him. It takes work. It's much easier not to. And the devil wants you to find a reason to not seek, to stop seeking, to take a vacation from seeking. I'm just going to go on a two-month vacation. Oh, it becomes six months. It's like my, well, I have this habit of, we've talked about my reading problems. <laughs> Let's talk about another one. Uh, I bought this piano. I love gospel, old school, circle of forest, baby. Old school piano. That's my, that's my heart. And I, I, can, I don't know how to play it that well. I play piano just for fun. And, and so I bought this incredible gospel piano tutorial from a pastor, actually. He's just phenomenal. And he made a thing on YouTube, and I bought it like a year ago. And I still have the reminder every day saying, gospel piano, 2 p.m., where I'm supposed to pop it open. You know how many times I've opened that thing? Zero. It's been like a year. It's been a year. See, God wants you to pause so you can actually, I mean, Satan, excuse me, wants you to pause, guess what? So you can actually stop. Because if you pause long enough, what is that? That's actually stopping. And before you know it, you're kind of wandering. You're wandering back towards that fence. I want to see what's on the other side of this fence. I'm a sheep. I know I got, I got some ups. The sheep hops over the fence. Whoa. Now I'm tempted because I've strayed from the word. And without my word, I have no protection. And I'm, I'm, I'm weak without my word. So I've, str I've paused long enough from the word that now I don't know how to handle the world when I face it. That's why you have to stay in God's word. That's why we anoint the baby so that the baby will stay in the flock. Even when it has an option to leave, it will choose to stay. The devil wants nothing more than you to find a reason based on the false lies he puts in your mind, stems from doubt, stemming from doubt. And you can, become a, you can become a pro at being the negative one. 
but it, it kills morale. It kills good vibes. One pastor friend, he's always talking about good vibes. He's always talking about vibes. And uh, that will kill a good vibe is negativity. And um, it's easy to do in your subconscious. And when everyone is always treating me wrong, eventually I may need to look at myself. It doesn't mean I'm maliciously trying to create battles with everyone. It means though that maybe I'm not seeing the source of my battle and why they keep happening. It doesn't mean I, I like battling people. It means maybe I don't realize that I'm in a battle with something deeper than I even know how to handle. It's a deeper battle. There are internal battles all around us and we weren't made to fight all these. Some battles we fight, but other battles we need Jesus. It's the only way. It's the only way to handle the pressure of a battle. If you want to win the battle and endure, you got to do it with a team. And that's Christ. That's your church. That's people who love you. You don't want to get used to living in that world of doubt. Faithfulness. How many know that faithfulness overrides worry? You know, you can't really be faithful and be worrying at the same exact time. Because if you're faithful, you believe something is going to come to pass. And if you're worrying, you're doubting that it's going to come to pass. So you can go up and down. That's why the Bible talks about continually tilling the garden. Because once your garden is flourishing, what happens? It has to continually be tilled and cultivated and, and, and harvested and, and, and you know it's in season you have to reap and you have to sow and you have to keep it up or the garden will eventually brew weeds if you let it come back into your garden that's how faith works you can be real faithful one season and fall into a season of depression and doubt in the next that's why it takes a conscious effort to remember where God brought you from before. If he did it before, guess what he'll do? He'll do it again. And that's all you need to remember. You don't have to worry about how. You don't have to worry about it. Take away worry out of the, out of the mind and the sentence in your brain that keeps telling you these things. Take worry out of it. Jesus says, what will that do? That won't add anything. That's what the devil wants you to do is worry. And consumption of worry it's a flip, reveals a lack of faithfulness. Faithfulness overrides worriness, doubt, but consumption of extreme worry, guess what? It kills faithfulness. You wanna be faithful, you gotta stop worrying. You wanna stop worrying, be faithful. Well, how do I do that? We're gonna get there. Look at God's nature. God's nature revealed is in this very passage. His nature is in the season we're in. When you see birds chirping, you see flowers blooming, you see seasons, you see joy, you feel peace, fruits of the spirit. This is God's nature and his character. Everything was made in the image of God, that is. First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And let me clarify, when David said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the fear that he's talking about there is not tormenting evil fear. It's a fear like you fear the chastising of your father who loves you. It's a, it's a loving fear. It's a respectful, reverent fear to your parent out of respect. I know that my dad, when I was a kid, he had no problem telling my mom to spank me. 
But I knew it wasn't because he wanted to hurt me. It's because he loved me. So I feared my mom because of my dad. And you all know them, so you can see how that could be true. Bless their heart. But it's a different kind of fear. That's how God, when, when it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's because we have to respect God in a way that know he is our creator. And when we fear him in love, knowing he loves us that much, he can get through to our heart and teach his children because that's what he's trying to do is show his children. But this kind of fear is different. This is like a panic fear. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, like you're swimming in the, in the water. They say that, I always thought the Navy or the, the lifeguards smacked you on when you're panicking in the water. I heard that they, they do other things. But in any case, they, what do they do? They got to calm you down when you panic because when you start to panic in the water, guess what? You start drowning yourself. What does it do? Nothing good. You start drowning yourself. I just saw, uh, what's that show with the fish tanks? David Hasselhoff. Man, he's got a lot of gold records. Who knew the guy on Baywatch had so many gold records? He's a singer too. I'll be ready. So David evidently had to put the smack down on some people in real, in real Baywatch because they were drowning themselves from panicking. That's what worry will do. I didn't know Dave had, David Hasselhoff had it in him. But that's the kind of fear we don't want to have. It's just panic, erratic, emotional fear. That is not the fruit of the Lord. It says, look at the birds, look at the trees. Let them be your guide. God covers them. He provides food for them. And they are not on the same level of love that you are, says Christ. God always provides a way. He supplies all we need and always will. Yet, what do we do? We fear. This morning in Unify, Nick did a cool illustration with Caleb where he said, Caleb, stand here and just fall straight back. And Caleb's eight and he's a thinker and he's like, mm, I don't know about that. He falls back and what's he do? Puts his foot down. Two times, Nick said, why did you fear? Because he doubted. He doubted that his savior would save him from battles. And that's what we do. We doubt until we have no other option and we raise that white flag. But we're raising our flag in battles we weren't meant to fight to begin with. There's too many battles going on. And we need to look at God's nature to remember how we should handle the battles. It's, it's like a human nature versus God's nature. When we're acting out in these situations out of panic and fear, say, is this what Jesus would do? Is this the character of God to be like this? Okay, I know it's not, then I know I can relax in this moment and know that God has me covered, even though I feel like it's, it's bad and I'm questioning my worth and I'm questioning that they'll receive me again and I'm questioning all these things. And God says, I did not leave you, son. Lay back, let me catch you. It's not your battle. That's what the enemy wants you to think is that you should be fighting that battle too but it's God's battle. My battle's not with them, it's within. We ought to take on the raiment of God's glory as the children of Christ. Part of the battle is a will thing. It's willpower. Whose will shall it be? My will or your will? And until I can subject myself to your will, God, I'm gonna battle you for control. 
Old habits versus new habits. And it's real hard to see if we're not looking. We're looking at the face of them that we're fighting. We're looking at battleship. I'm looking at Caleb thinking he keeps trying to sink my ship. But my real battle is maybe that I'm not paying attention and maybe that I need more patience and maybe I need to be more loving and maybe I should pay more attention because they're only young ones. See, this is this thing that the battle is actually, the, the source is something else. The stress is coming from something else. So you need a reminder to, to keep tilling that garden. It's funny, we talk about Caleb at bedtime almost every night. We moved him into the base. The lower level, we don't call it a basement, the finished lower level. He has a bedroom down there. And every night I take a little longer to get down there because now we got three kids upstairs, second floor, and then we have to go down to the lower level to kiss him goodnight. And every night I get down there and he'll be like, Dad, I know what he's gonna say. It's like, I got it scripted. So do you think like tomorrow we could play some baseball outside? Maybe if it's hot, we'll just switch to hockey for a minute. Maybe like, you know, if not, we'll go inside. We'll play some bubble hockey or whatever. What is, you know, we think we could do that, Dad? Like, how, how late are you working? He's got me all figured out. And so I found myself taking that for granted. And in the, in the heat of the battle that I wasn't meant to fight, I have to look sideways and go, this is the perfect love God's talking about. It lives without fear. You remember those times when you just looked forward to going out and playing in the neighborhood? Hide and go seek, baseball with a tennis ball. I don't know about you all. We had to use a tennis ball in my neighborhood, break some windows. You just, you know, you, you remember that, that good feeling. And that's how God wants you to remember now when you feel like it's gone. It's not really, it's a perspective thing. I'm battling something that God says, I've got that good feeling still here ready for you because I made myself available to you when I died on a cross and died for you. And that's enough. I got enough for those birds. I got enough for you. You see the green grass growing on the field. How much greater will your God love you if you need something? I got you, he says. So it's those moments we remember what, perfect love is that we don't need to feel that torment or fear or doubt and that perfection comes through sanctification as we grow in our walk with God it continually gets easier we're continually plowing and recultivating the garden it's not a one-stop shop it's a continual process you got to keep it going and keep yourself rooted in the word because the world will take the word if you're not careful The battle count will go down when we recognize the source is maybe often ourself looking at things in a habitual way that's hurting us. Because God's nature is perfect, is to protect, to never abandon us. And he was put there to fight our battles. Maybe we can't hear the birds chirping because we're distracted by the noise of our minds. We can't hear the goodness around us because we're distracted by the, the seed the enemy has planted. We won't let it go. Let it go. You got to let it go. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we internalize God's nature? You have to seek Christ first. And fulfillment comes at a cost. Seeking him first means not second. It means not third. It means not only on the weekends. It means first and first and first. Seek him first, the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And these things shall be added to you. He will take care of the rest, but you have to put him first. Seek Christ first. 
And fear will cause you to doubt what seeking him first will feel like. Well, if I seek him really first, how about, how about 50% first? If I, if I really seek him first and I go all in for Jesus, what will my friends think of me? Well, at first they may look at you weird, but eventually they're going to follow too because you can't reject the contagious love of God's seed in your heart. And when you brew good, godly seed, people want that and they're going to follow you. It may take a couple months, but you keep praying for them and they're going to turn around too. And you just want two more people to the kingdom because you seeked Christ first. Even when it wasn't fun, even when it hurt, even when they mocked you, even when they just pick at you. You know, it's like, Poison ivy is still there. And it's just like, it's a picking feeling. You just keep, it's like one spot won't stop itching. It just, it's an annoyance. But the devil doesn't want to take you out in one swipe. He wants to pick you down. He wants to pick you apart. And he can get, you know, you get, you get the little hangnails. It's like a little thing. And then you keep messing with it. And then woo, it keeps stretching, keeps stretching. It keeps ripping your finger. And all of a sudden you got a big old owie on your finger and you need a Superman Band-Aid. It's because, it's because he picks you down. He doesn't just whack you down with a lightning bolt. He picks you apart with doubt and worry and things that aren't the fruit of the Lord. So seek him first and all these things will be added unto you. We must give up are possessive and obsessive ways. It's not just things you're giving up. You're giving up your way, saying his way is better. I'm giving up my way because it didn't work until now. It was okay, but look at all these battles I'm fighting. I need to recognize I don't need to fight these, that Jesus is my fighter. He's my champion. He takes care of me when I'm not able to. You don't have to battle them, and you don't have to keep battling yourself.